I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. So today was meant to be the locker room Q&A, and we were going to post that as the podcast. But unfortunately, there were some technical issues receiving the audio, so we haven't been able to do that, which means that you're going to be stuck with me while we're talking about the Clippers game. So I've just finished watching this game, sat down, took some notes during the game. I've neatened them up. I've gone back and watched all of the press conferences following the game to kind of consolidate what I'd seen, see if there was anything that Brad Stevens thought was different to what I'd seen. And now I'm just kind of going to run through everything that was positive. There's a few negatives in there. You know, nothing can ever be perfect. But I'm confident. I think this was a really good game. This was one of the more enjoyable Celtics games that we've seen all year. In my personal opinion, the ball movement was excellent. To begin, obviously, the best thing we need to look at is the fact that the Celtics have now extended their unbeaten run to three games, which has took them up to fourth in the East. And they're now over 500, which was a concern as nobody wanted to see them going into the All-Star break in the doldrums of the Eastern Conference, sitting below 0.500. This is not a below 0.500 team. I'm not as concerned now. Fourth isn't bad. I feel like that's very sustainable, especially with the way the team are playing. There's a few guys that have upped their game. A few guys got hurt early, but there's going to be some discussion here on Kemba Walker, on Robert Williams, on the performances that we've seen from them lately and how they look sustainable. They don't look to just be a small, brief explosion. When it's an explosion, you don't know if it's going to be sustainable. This does look sustainable. And before we even start with anyone that is having one of those explosions, we need to talk about Jalen Brown. To begin the game, Brown was probably the best player on the floor. He was getting some really good looks in the mid-range, doing so coming off screens, coming off dribble drive penetration, and he was also doing some good work off ball and cutting his way into his spot. He looks automatic when he pulls up in just a little sliver of space. He looks like he's going to make every shot. He also was all right from free too. I mean, in the first half of the game, he went two for two from deep, but it was more the work he was getting done in the mid-range and also the gravity that that was creating because teams were having to double up on him or at least try and shrink the floor around him and pinch their wings in to kind of kill that penetration, which was opening up the floor for other guys. So I really like what Brown was doing in the mid-range. He looks every bit the all-star, completely looks like a, de- a deserving all-star. And for a good stretch there, he looked like he was the best player on the floor that also contained Jason Tatum and Paul George. That's no easy thing to do. Defensively, he's still the best on-ball defender the Celtics have while Marcus Smart's injured. And he's also the best on-ball wing defender they have, period. Mainly because JT is more of an off-ball guy. Unfortunately, in the second half, Brown went cold. I don't know whether he was deferring a little bit, trying to get other guys hot. He, he just looked a little bit more tentative. He only went one for five in the second, only five attempts throughout the second um, second half, sorry, of the game. Only took one free. He got three rebounds. It wasn't a terrible performance. But from one of your stars, only taking five shots in just over 18 minutes in a close game against the Clippers. I, I don't understand why you would go so far the other way and really become a shell of the guy you were in the first half of the game. So maybe he's saving himself for the game on Friday. Maybe it was just the fact that the Clippers' defense really improved during the third quarter. Fourth quarter, it was a bit erratic from both sides. But in the third, the Clippers played some great defense. And that probably threw Jalen out of his rhythm. At which point, if the ball's not falling, then you try and do stuff off-ball to help other guys create lanes and help other guys impact the game at a higher level. What was working for the Celtics outside of Jalen Brown, and maybe this is part of the 
reason that the Celtics had such a good first half. And I've been kind of looking at the way this has developed over the last few games. I've been really impressed, really pleased, to be quite honest. It's that two-man game that's developing between Kemba Walker and Daniel Tice. Though we spoke about this on the last podcast um, at the first half, just before the Duke segment, where Daniel Tice has become an exceptional short role player. He's finding so much room in the mid-range. But Kemba Walker seems to have taken, helped elevate that and helped Tice take that to the next level. We're not just seeing it off pick and rolls anymore. We're seeing it from Kemba Walker dribble drive penetration. We're seeing it from Kemba Walker rejecting screens and drawing two guys before hitting that dump off bounce back pass to Tice in the mid-range. We're seeing Tice operating ghost screens and then flare out, then go into a handoff and then find his way into the mid-range. There's a lot of different caveats to the way Tice is finding this mid-range game, but it all revolves around his play alongside Campbell Walker and the scoring gravity that Campbell Walker currently has due to his last three or four games where he's been a 20-point-a-night guy. So that development is going to be really important for the way the Celtics play throughout the rest of the season. It allows off-ball movement. It also allows Campbell Walker to survey the floor on the drive. And as teams get more savvy to taking away that space from Tice, there's going to be other options for Kemba to kick out to. And that's important as well because obviously the ball movement is slowly trending in the right direction. We're moving away from that stagnant high spread pick and roll and we're starting to see more side-to-side action. We're starting to see more dribble drive penetration. Everything just looked more crisp. And a lot of that is because of the space that's being created from these short rolls, from these flare screens, from the ghost screens, whatever you want to look at. Campbell Walker and Daniel Tice are a big part of how this the offense is running when we're looking at the um, starting unit. And I've been really impressed with that development. I think that that was something that was the Clippers really struggled to contain in this game. It was something that the Pacers struggled con- to contain recently. It's been struggles all around because there's just so much scoring gravity between these two guys that as they continue to just chip away at teams, it kills confidence. The spacing just becomes so much more difficult to contain. I've been... I've been loving it, to be quite honest with you guys. I think I love the pick and roll play. Short roll offense is one of my favorite types of modern day offense in general. I think that Rob Williams is also going to develop there, but we're going to get more on Rob Williams later. So I don't want to go off track. I want to follow these notes the way I've laid them out for you guys, which leads us on to Kemba in general. I mean, hands up if you thought Kemba Walker would end up being this good because I've kind of been on and off that because how many of us thought Kemba Walker would develop into this guy after that knee issues? Because I wasn't one of them. I didn't think he'd be able to get back to this level. And during the broadcast, they did mention it. Kemba Walker hasn't played, hasn't practiced once with this team. It's all been learning back on the job, all been ramping himself back up against NBA competition during an NBA game. When you look at it like that, you can understand why he struggled when he first come back. You can understand why his confidence wasn't there because you're coming in cold against guys that are already 10 to 12, 13 games deep, already in rhythm. And now you have to work your way back up with no time in the practice gym, no drilling. It's going to be tough. But over the last four games, he's been 20 or more points in three straight games. He's hit 20 points and six assists. He's hitting great energy. He's providing a real spark to the offense. His change of pace and willingness to penetrate have been a huge part in the baseline attacks that we've seen with guys cutting baseline. It's been a huge part of guys lifting out of the corner. And Kemba Walker is just making things happen. And the crazy thing is, He's making things happen off ball while he's on ball. And that just goes to speak to the gravity that he has once he starts getting down at hill at guys. And the same about how shifty he is with his own mid-range step back. 
teams have to respect that. And what you'll find is most times a team will hone in so much on a scoring guard that somebody somewhere is open and Kemba just has that shiftiness to be able to find a sliver of space to get a pass off, even if that means a secondary pass isn't required to find the open guy that was originally open. His jumper's looking smooth. It's looking smooth when he steps into it, pulls up half the screen, when he steps back. Everything just looks like it's working for Kemba at the moment. And to be honest with you, if he'd played like this for what? The last six, seven weeks, there probably would have been a, a case for him to have been an all-star. And if he plays like this for the rest of the year and to start next season, maybe he hasn't seen his last all-star appearance in the East because at the moment he looks fantastic offensively. Defensively, you know what you're getting from Kemba. He's going to be he's going to be picked on. Teams are going to target him. It's up to Brad Stevens and the rest of the defense to stand up, make the adjustments necessary, hide him as much as possible and protect the rim as much as possible when teams are being, um, sorry, honing in on him. He went 8 for 19 from the field, a, a solid 50%, 6 of 12 from three, six assists and four rebounds. That is a great stat line from Kemba. Probably one of the best we've seen from him all season. He just looks to be getting better and better with every single game. And I'm all here for it. And then we spoke about the two-man game between Kemba and Tice. What about the two-man game between Kemba and Tristan Thompson? We're seeing Tristan Thompson do his nice deep role because he doesn't have the offensive versatility and shot profile that Tice does to be able to operate in the short role. But what we are seeing is Kemba will drag a screen. So Tice, uh, sorry, Thompson will set the screen, Kemba will drag it across the perimeter and then hit Thompson down on the uh, at the rim, right? When Thompson drives middle, he'll hit him around the rim for a nice easy hook shot or a nice easy floater. And for me, this was one of the best offensive games from Tristan Thompson, not just because he's developing two-man game with Kemba, but just because of his shot selection in general. If you look at the way he's been previously, he'll be grabbing offensive rebounds and trying to muscle the ball back up. And I spoke about this recently. I think it was on Locker Room. So if you were in the room, great. If you weren't, then what I was saying was Tristan Thompson's offensive rebounds have been real good. I think he's 11th in the league. I did tweet this out yesterday. But his putbacks have been poor. And when you see what NS Cantor did last year and the amount of kind of guaranteed ability to turn, convert offensive rebounds into second chance points compared to what Tristan Thompson is, it's been kind of disheartening. And I've been concerned about that for the last few weeks. However, when Tristan Thompson's deferring off a offensive board and then he's choosing his spots better, getting his mid-range floater game in, getting those hook shots in and doing it within the flow of the offense, He's actually a very viable offensive outlet at big. And he. this was one of those games where he didn't try to do too much, didn't try to be the big, the guy down low, because you're going up against somebody like Zubat, you're not going to win that type of battle. So he played with a lot of veteran poise. And I was really happy with this offensive game. Defensively, he had um, some really good stretches. One sticks in my head where um, he contested a closeout from the perimeter, hustled back to the um, weak side where his guy was and then took the pass clean out of the passing lane and forced them to force the Clippers to reset their offense from a sideline out of bounds. Plays like that, that, that type of hustle, that type of lateral quickness, the versatility to guard up front of the perimeter to switch and then get back to your man and kill that pass. That's why Tristan Thompson was brought in and that's why he was paid $9 million a year. So is he where everybody wanted him to be? No. Is he getting there? Definitely. Do we think he's probably holding a little bit back to the playoffs? Most likely. But performances like this epitomize why he should have been a target in the first place. Wasn't my first choice. Probably wasn't my second choice either at big. I've been very vocal about how I wish the Celtics had gone after Derek Favors. But he's here and he's developing within the system. He's learning it more. 
Again, there's been no practice time really for these guys. So this defensive system is quite complex uh, with the amount of switching you need to do with when to push up, when to sag off, when to help off the corner, when which does the high side weak sorry, does the high weak side eye guy tag a roll man or just the low guy? And the intricacies of this system for me mean that guys that come in that don't get to practice are going to struggle for the first part of the season while they get everything drilled into them and they understand the system and we're starting to see Tristan Thompson bear fruits of that struggle uh, very happy with him another guy that was a big factor in this game was Peyton Pritchard I think this was an awesome game from Pritchard I'm so high on this young guy considering that when he was picked 26 I had no idea who he was really granted over in the UK we don't get much college basketball and even if we do it would be like um, a UCLA or a Duke or a Kentucky so seeing um, Pritchard wasn't really an option for me last year luckily that coverage has been picked up more this year so maybe I would have known about him but he was fantastic I mean look he can keep possessions alive with his dribble just because he's got the ball on the string. He looks so poised at running the point, so po poised at conducting an offense. He runs it like a vet. Like, you don't see, like, the rookie struggles as much from Pritchard. I don't know whether that's just because of his competitiveness, because he was a four-year guy, and this is what you get from a four-year guy, is they're a little bit more polished than guys that are one and done or come out after two years. We saw a few deep-range bums that were maybe questionable, maybe heat-checky. But going four from seven from three, he showed limitless range. I mean, if this is 2K, let's give him what? We're giving him silver or gold limitless range badge. Any 2K players, tweet at me. Let me know what type of badge you want to give him from there. But realistically, like the gravity that he's providing and the scoring and spacing, teams have to be willing to push up on him a little bit more to take away that deep three, which is opening driving lanes for guys like Jalen Brown, guys like Tatum, when um, Neesmith's on the floor, guys like Neesmith. When Romeo's back, he's going to benefit from this too. The bench unit just has that space and couple that with Robert Williams' verticality and the vertical space and he gets. This second unit has got the ability to break defensive will, whether that's by moving the ball around side to side or penetrating and trying to get the ball up over the top. When you add in some additional shooters like Shemi or Neesmith and then ball handlers like, I hate to say this, but Jeff T, you really start to put that secondary defensive unit under pressure. And Pritchard's ability to score from deep, to penetrate and kick the ball out, to score on um, like stop and goes during his drives around the rim. All of these things are going to really force defenses into tough decisions and tough foul calls. And as Pritchard gets more savvy, learns to veer, learns to put guys in jail and try and draw review fouls, we're going to see a lot more of Pritchard development and we're going to see him slowly increase his minutes even though he's probably getting more than enough right now for his developmental level. But the bench in general was a huge factor for this game. They combined for 38 points on 20 shot attempts. Huge part of the recent resurgence in general, to be quite honest. I think that the bench production over the last two or three games has been way better. We're seeing a lot more guys getting involved, a lot more guys being aggressive. That was something that Brad Stevens noted in his post-game press conference, that guys can't be bystanders. If you're coming into the game, you need to come in and look to make a difference, whether that's from hard cuts, hard screens, backdoor um, baseline cuts, baseline backdoor um, plays, whether or not you're setting back screens, just whatever your role is, if you're coming in off the bench, you need to be willing to make a difference and not stand there and watch guys isolate. We've seen a lot of that over the last few games. We've seen a few different bench guys put in decent performances. And I'm hoping that we continue to see the bench guys put in performances like what we've seen recently because this is how the team is going to stay cohesive. This is how the team is going to force everybody to keep improving. And it's what's working right now. So if it's working right now, build off of that. Don't try and change it again. Just build off of what is working. One of the main names that's coming off the bench at the minute, probably the best bench player that the Celtics have got in terms of injecting energy and injecting offense is obviously Rob Williams. He dominated the glass in this game. 
He was hitting his shots. He was making plays above the rim. Pace that the team plays with increases when Rob Williams is on the floor. The willingness to drive when Rob Williams is on the floor increases because obviously he's a above the rim threat. If defense is drawing on you, you can just throw the ball up and Love Williams will go and get it. That's right. I said Love Williams. We see him doing tapping passes. We see him redirecting the ball. His passing game's improving. It always looks good. I'd like to see him work on his mid-range a little bit more, but I know that's going to come in time and maybe he should just stick to what he does well at the moment and look to develop his game in the summer with a full, hopefully, hopefully touch wood, a full healthy season under his belt. And then we can start asking him to add stuff to his game. Brad Stevens also noted that he thinks that Rob Williams, despite the fact that he's missed a bunch of playing time over the first three years of his career, actually has a lot of experience and that by playing alongside and practicing alongside guys like Al Horford, Aaron Bain, now Tristan Thompson, that there's a great foundation there for Rob. And to quote Brad Stevens, he said he's on a, a very great trajectory in terms of career path and development at the moment and who he can stay healthy, then who knows where the, where the limit is for Rob. I keep referring to him as a Bam Adebayo light just because of the short roll ability, the passing ability. And I think that that is probably a fair comparison at this point. Rob has been fantastic. He, If he could shoot free throws, he would have closed this game out. Like the reason he was taken off the floor was because Daniel Tice is a more consistent free throw shooter. And again, that's something that Rob Williams will only continue to improve on as he continues to get deeper into his career. I loved his performance. I thought his performance was great. The screening, the rebounding, the way he was blocking shots, the way he was altering guys' shots. The only knock I have on him, he's staying on his feet more now defensively. Not completely, but he's getting there. But he still gets sucked in by ball handlers. So if he sees that a ball handler is coming across on the opposite side of the floor, Rob will hedge over and dig on them. But he leaves his guy open so the ball handler can just like, you know, hit a nice little pass. And now all of a sudden, Rob Williams has to scramble. And that was a part of the defense that was a real big problem last night, which was the scrambling. And we'll get to that. But I wanted to mention Rob Williams as an individual because I thought he was fantastic. We spoke about the ball movement. I think that was great side to side, better dribble drive penetration, some great secondary creation going on. As you can hear, I'm turning my notes over. I don't like doing these solos, by the way, so don't expect them to be regular. This was just because, obviously, the technical issues. I haven't spoke about Taysom. Taysom struggled both ends of the floor, cold for most of the game, heated up slightly down the stretch, ended 14-5-5. I know a lot of wings in the league would love to end with that as a that line. So us saying that Tatum was cold and still ending with 14-5-5 is a bit funny. But that's where we were, right? He heated up a little bit down the stretch in the fourth, made a couple of good shots. Defensively, he had some tough assignments. It's not an excuse though, right? Like more, a better reason is maybe he was jaded. We know that he's struggling with the effects of COVID. We know that sometimes he will get out of gas quicker. Maybe the recovery to having a bit more in the tank after running out of gas is longer than what it should be for somebody that hasn't been impacted by COVID. And we're going to have to ride with this and let Tatum figure out how to maintain a certain level of production while dealing with these effects. And he has said before that it is getting better each time it happens. But we just need to kind of let him get through this and enjoy the good games and understand when he has nights like this. I would prefer he had cold nights against lesser opposition. Clippers is obviously one of the best teams in the league. If he could have played great in this game, then fantastic. The Celtics were very lucky that there was no Kawhi Leonard in this game because they would have needed both Tatum and Brown on all cylinders. And while we got a taste of Jalen Brown on all cylinders, we also got a taste of Jalen Brown 
on no cylinders and then we had Tatum's poor performance as well I'm not going to read too much into it at all I don't think there's a reason to read too much into it I think it's just is what it is we move on to the next game we get past it and we just hope that he can find a way to stay consistent and that will come that development will come I've got no problem with the way he played in general I think that he was forcing a few of his shots but the Clippers were also doing a great job of shrinking the floor they were making sure that he couldn't get any easy looks. If he was coming over screens, they were hedging, they were trapping. If he was getting the ball on the block, they'd shrink, they'd pinch in. And they made sure that there was no easy looks for Tatum for the majority of the game. And when you're, when you're driving and you're Tatum and penetrating, all they're going to do is they're going to put bodies in the way and make you try and avoid that contact like they know you like to. And then force the tough shot. And they'll contest every shot because you're the star. And that's what they're meant to do. And your job is to find a way to affect the game when they are doing that and find the open guy when they're hedging or dub. And that's developments that are going to happen. So there's no need for criticism here. If it continues, then definitely. There's always reason for criticism if there's a long stretch. But at the moment, I think it is just what it is and we can move on to the next game. I feel like I owe Shemi a special shout out after the last podcast where I said I don't think he's consistent enough. I still don't think he's consistent enough. But this was a better performance from him. So we have to at least say he shut the ball well. He played his defense well. Didn't miss his assignments as usual. Also didn't stand out too much. Done exactly what he was required to do. Is he a star in his role? No. Does he do his role well? Yeah. So, you know, we'll, I just wanted to give him a shout out considering I personally took a moment to say negative about him last time. When you do positive, if I've spoke negatively, I should be man enough to say this was a good night. You played great. So I've done that. It's done. Which leads us on to the defense in general. No team played defense for the first quarter. No team really played defense for the second quarter. In the Celtics' perspective, they were scrambling a lot. There wasn't enough cohesion. They're not moving on a string. They're not rotating correctly. There's not a lot of communication. We see guys not communicate switches properly, which is leaving open guys on the, on the perimeter. We see guys overhelping off the weak side, and then that's leaving open the corner guy. Nobody's articulating when there's a baseline cut, so people are getting real good post position. Wedge screens, no one's reacting to those. There's just a very big lack of communication, so it would seem defensively or cohesion. Nobody really seems to know who's man's who, and hopefully if there's a practice during the All-Star break, that's going to be something they work on because the Celtics have generally been under Brad Stevens a good switching team, a good rotating team. And they have the pieces to be an exceptional defensive team this year. They just need that cohesion. If you look at PG, PG went 21 in the first quarter, first half of the game. Quite and down himself, then only got 11 in the second half. Again, that's credit to the, the way the Celtics played. They obviously made their adjustments. Offensively, just to mention this as well, they adjusted as well. They were running more higher pick and rolls, higher screens to make use of that floor spacing Rob and Pritchard provide. And that was a great adjustment down the stretch as well. So I just needed to put that in there. Um, back to the defense, Reggie Jackson went for 25. We know that the Celtics struggle with penetration from a guard. We know they struggle when guys are hitting secondary creation out to the corners, out to the wings. It's been an issue for the Celtics defense for the last few years. I don't see that changing with this system, but it's about limiting those and making any shot that's taken the toughest shot possible and not allowing defenses to tee you up consistently. And that's what's happening at the moment. And that, that comes down to effort hustle and most importantly communication and trust they're trusting each other more and more on offense but we're not seeing that bleed into the defense and until we do look until they start trusting each other defensively knowing that player x has his assignments and he's going to hit his assignments as long as player y does their job and maintains their assignments help defense is going to come if you get beaten if you can trust all of these ingredients then you get a good defensive unit a good cohesive unit 
issue is this comes with reps and playing with guys for a period of time and the, the constant state of flux between some of the defensive anchor points not having Marcus Smart in there that's basically a verbal coach on the floor, not showing too much hustle. I don't know why Neesmith hasn't been getting minutes considering the hustle defense he's been playing. Maybe it's matchups. Maybe it's that Brad Stevens has stumbled onto a bench unit that's working and he doesn't want to mess with it. Same with Grant Williams, another guy that's vocal on floor, vocalizes defense. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there and I don't want to speculate, so I won't. But they need vocal leadership on the defensive end. And at the moment, that should be Tristan Thompson's job. And until he figures out why it's not working and why he isn't vocalizing much, it's going to be rough until Marcus Smart gets back. Tristan Thompson was brought in as a defensive leader, a veteran leader. I'd like to see him orchestrate that defense more and hold guys more accountable the way he said he would when he was signed to this team. Other than that, it needs to be a full team accountability. You cannot be letting guys blow by you and score easy buckets at the rim without some form of rotation over from the weak side or some form of collapse from the mid-range guys. And if you're helping off the perimeter, then you need to make sure that you can recover or somebody else is splitting the difference between his man and yours. You can't just keep moving off guys and not knowing who's going to pick him up for you because that's how open shots are happening at the moment. Frustrating, definitely fixable. Definitely not something we need to be concerned about so early in the year. Still a whole second half of the season to play. And this is usually when Brad Stevens settles on his rotations and his schemes. One more game before the All-Star break. So we'll be looking forward to that. And then we're going to have a few days off. The podcast is still going to continue. I'm sorry it's been solo today. I'm trying my hardest to make sure this doesn't happen. But on a game like this where... There was already content planned and then it hasn't gone the way that we hoped and there was technical issues. I've had to kind of pivot. I'm, I'm hoping that I gave you some good um, information. I'm hoping that the information I've gave you was enjoyable. Obviously, these are just my initial thoughts after watching the game, taking the notes and then jumping straight onto recording. And I'll be back on Friday. I've got some cool planned for Friday as long as I can get it over the line and it should be excellent. And then... You know, we'll go from there. We'll figure out what's happening together. Guys, if you've enjoyed this, please leave me that five-star written review. Make sure to go follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Taylor MBA. Actually, same on YouTube at Adam Taylor MBA. If you're on Locker Room, follow me there. I'm hosting a couple of rooms a week there. I'll actually be hosting one later today at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, again, that username is at Adam Taylor MBA. I hope you guys have a great day. I'll speak to you guys, everybody, again on Friday. Stay safe out there, everybody.